0: Welcome to Resilient Forward, a podcast created by Baguet Group to educate the public and promote solutions to Florida's most challenging environmental issues. I'm your host, Irela Baguet. I've been a longtime advocate of the environment and the economy. I invite you to join me as we showcase resilient solutions, feature innovative strategies, products, and services from prominent members of the business community, including industry leaders, advocates, and elected officials all engaged in developing and implementing resilient solutions in their community. I am so pleased to have with me today Teresa Pierno from the National Parks Conservation Association. She is the president and CEO. And for those of you who don't know, National Parks Conservation Association has been around for a hundred years, advocating for the conservation, restoration, and just, uh, and for Americans in general, protecting our parks. And I'm so pleased to have you uh, during such a interesting time for parks right now. Uh, we're right now experiencing a government shutdown, and I wanted to ask you some to give us some of your perspective on what's going on and what MPCA is doing to
1: help protect our parks during this very difficult time that we're faced. Well, well, thank you for having me on. And we hadn't expected to be kicking off our 100th anniversary year, 2019, um, with a federal government shutdown and with now going into day 21 with the national parks, trying to remain open, some of them, but it's just not working. I mean, you can't have national parks protected and its resources without rangers, without the kind of support that they need in order to really protect them. And so what we're seeing is all kinds of things happening within the national parks. And in fact, just today, we called for full closure because what's happening is not only do you see issues of inappropriate waste and and trash overflowing and Lots of issues with campgrounds and impacts. Um, we even saw in Joshua Tree, where a couple of Joshua trees were cut down, and you know oh you're no. seeing all kinds of things happening, um, vandalism. But the, the fact is that there's nobody there to really pr- provide the kind of information and protection that is also needed in our national parks. So this is serious time right now. for It our parks. certainly
0: is, and it sounds also like a like a. Like, it's a public safety issue as well, yes, right? it I mean, is. It's not just about trash and, you know, all over the place. Obviously, that's horrible to see in our beautiful national parks and our, and our very fragile, some of them are very fragile ecosystems. But public safety, I mean, if there are no rangers, if there's no protection, I mean, down here in, in, in South Florida, we have Everglades National Park, and we have alligators, and God forbid, you know, something happens. So without the proper education and,
1: and folks, they're protecting people as well. It's it's a dangerous situation, and we've had unfortunately, you know, very sadly, two people passed away uh, because of incidents that happened. Uh, oh no! Again. So, and you know, there's the situation if even if you have somebody has a health issue or you know a heart attack or something happens, uh, there's <laughs> just not going to be the kind of response that you would be able to have if we had rangers there.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like it's so it sounds very irresponsible. I mean, might as well close them. Uh, You know why keep them open if there is no, you know, protection? Well,
1: you're putting people in danger, and you're putting the resources in danger. And you know, our Organic Act that really was established with clear priorities and rules about protecting the natural resources of our national parks. And in order to do that, you need to be able to have people there, the rangers in place, to be able to really truly provide that protection. And so to keep them open and to really force the park superintendents and not really giving them the opportunity uh, to make sure, because they, you know, the Park Service staff, they want to protect the parks. I mean, they do these jobs, they have tremendous passion, and they love the parks. And so we know that um, in conversations that we've had with many of our Park Service friends, um, they're really struggling, because they see what's happening to their beloved national parks. Right. Not only and are they
0: struggling, you know, with the fact that their parks are, you know, put in these precarious situations, but they're also not getting paid, these That's right. These staff, these staffers. So yes. so it, it, it's, it's a compounded issue, it seems to me. And um, give, me, give me some perspective on the Organic Act. So basically what we're saying is that the federal government is actually violating the law?
1: We believe so. In fact, we believe that they're actually violating s- several different acts because what they're talking about now is under um, Acting Secretary um, Barnhart, David Barnhart, he is suggesting and in this um, policy that he's put out that they use fees that are collected from entrance fees to various different fees that are collected in national parks for use fees and use that to be able to bring people back into work. Right. Um, and of course, first of all, there's just not enough money to do that. It's most of the parks and also those fees are supposed to be for maintenance and to really take care of the parks not for operations and so what you're doing is you're taking what the very basic um, principle lays out for how those fees should be used you're using them for something else, and then that money's not gonna be there. And already our parks have a huge backlog of about $12 billion. Oh, I know. So now you're talking about taking this little pot of money that they have that actually helps them just to do the day-to-day kind of maintenance and projects that are so critical for their operations, and now diverting that, and again, it's it's just, they're not gonna be able to bring enough staff back that's really gonna protect the resource.
0: Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like a very difficult situation, and, and you know, again, you would mention the budget. I mean, normal years. What is the percent that goes, you know, from our federal budget, <laughs> goes to our national parks? These are our property. These are Americans. We own this property, and this is how we treat
1: our property. It's it's just, I don't it's, get it. It's unbelievable. I mean, it, the Park Service overall budget is over three billion dollars annually, and just in the last few weeks now. So we're looking at what, day twenty-one going mm-hmm. to day twenty-two. They've lost about eight and a half million dollars in fee revenue. So not only are they having to spend money that they shouldn't be spending on on actions, but now they're losing money every day that they're closed that is so critically important to the Park Service operation. And when they get back into full swing, when you think about what they're gonna find, and the kind of damage and things they're going to have to fix. And we've seen this happen before when it was a very short shutdown. And so now that we're going into such an extended period with, I fear, no end in sight, what kind of impacts are we talking
0: about? Oh, I know. And you know, down here, as you know, we're here in South Florida, we have Everglades National Park. Yes. We have Biscayne National Park, and uh, we have Big Cypress. We have so many beautiful treasures. And there is more than just going to s- out to see the park and Park Service Rangers. There's folks that are doing research in these parks that are, you know, actually working on, on Everglades restoration yes, yes. And, and so forth. So that's also impacting that work and, Absolutely. and delaying a lot of that, that work that needs to get done. I mean, down here it's our water supply. and. Um, it's just, it's just a very sad situation, but I want to kind of turn the corner <laughs> and I'll talk about, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, NPCA, you're going to be bird dogging this as you always are yes. and making sure that, you know, we'll see what happens with, with this um, challenge that you've um, set forth and hopefully it works out and, and um, at least I'll close the parks for a little bit until things can get resolved and, and no more damage is done. Um, but let's, let's turn the corner, like I said, uh, and talk about um, your
1: anniversary, 100 yes. years of work. That's a long time. It's a long time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people don't realize that the National Parks Conservation Association was established three years after the National Park Service. So Stephen Mathers, the first director of the National Park Service, recognized the importance of really having a non-government, totally separate, that could be a strong voice to protect the national parks. So he got his friend, Robert Sterling Yard, who ultimately became our first president and led the National Parks Conservation Association 100 years ago. And many of the quotes, many of the things that we've read now in the early magazine and in some of the early literature about NPCA, Talks about the struggle. Talks about the inappropriate development, some of the timber harvesting, and the, and the various mining and the operations that were happening, and the threats to national parks a hundred years ago. And we're still uh, being threatened insane. today. It's exactly. In fact, it's amazing. You you look and you say, "Jeez, you know, you could be calling that out today." And so when you see what's happening today, you really understand why it's so important for us to be there, because really we it's you know we are not in any way connected or funded by the government. So we do have the ability to really be able to kind of speak truth to power right. and to make sure that the public understands why it is so critically important. And we have many people across the country that have been just so incredibly supportive and excited about this centennial year, this opportunity to celebrate together. So we have events planned all over the country. Mm-hmm. In fact, our kickoff is going to be in San Francisco. Nice. February 7th. Presidio, and we're very excited about that. Um, And then we have our big annual Salute to the Parks at the National Building Museum in Washington DC, April 3rd. Which is an
0: amazing event. I've had the pleasure of of attending. Um, Full disclosure, I sit on one of your regional councils and I'm I'm very proud to advocate along with you. Um, Sometimes when I head to Washington DC and I go um, hand in hand with you guys, educating our, our members of, of Congress and some of our senators on the importance of our parks. So it's it's really a thrill to uh, to you know join, join you in, oh, in the celebration.
1: You. And is there a theme? <clears throat> well every month there's going to be a different theme. Oh great. So in fact for January we're really focusing on wildlife oh, and defending nice. and protecting wildlife national parks. And many people don't realize but they're really kind of the last great places that really hold the incredible diversity of wildlife that we have left, and it's so important to protect it. So oh. we're gonna be highlighting many of the stories around some of our work related to wildlife for January, but every month there's gonna be a different theme, whether it's focusing on water, and we'll talk about the great work, of Everglades Restoration and all the partners and, and the things that we've been able to do to, to at least keep the system moving forward. Uh, as you know, there's a lot of work to be done to really protect
0: the uh, Absolutely. And talk to me about how MPCA is structured across the country because you're a national organization yes. so you have many offices and many employees doing many different things.
1: Well, we have our headquarters in Washington DC, but then we are in 36 locations around the country. Uh, with you know, many volunteers as well. And thank you so much for your volunteer work. We have National Regional Council and Advisory Councils as well as our National Board. And it's, you know, we could not do the work we do. We have 1.3 million members and supporters across the country. And when I think about our volunteer base, it's incredible. And it's why we're able to really protect parks the way we do. And we have many on the ground programs where we work with young people to bring them into parks, particularly underserved communities, where they might not get an opportunity to really experience the thrill and what that means and then make those connections. And it's so important to really have future advocates and give everybody that a great opportunity.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I love your youth programs. In fact, I've been out with some of your youth um down here in Miami Dade when we've taken them out to Everglades and Biscayne and you know some of these kids have never seen they have never even realized that these parks are theirs they're, they're for them that there's you know that they this is this is their asset and yeah. and you know they they don't realize that you know and, and that they belong there you know and yeah. they're, they're allowed to go into these parks and um, it's so important it's you know it's that's where your foundation is and and I see some of these kids they they get so into it that they they become our advocates, and they're the best advocates to take it's to true. meet members of you know of elected officials and whatnot because, you know, they see that's their future and you know, it's, they, they, yeah. it's you know it's great. And
1: we've been doing something called civic voice lessons, working with young people all over the country, and we take them through a whole program, and they really learn how to advocate because it's something it's a skill that you can hone in on and really get stronger and feel more confident in what it is you're passionate about, and then we bring them
0: to mm-hmm. Congress, right. we
1: brought them to D.C., we bring them to their state house and just really get them comfortable with, and it's just the transformation, and you watch the self-confidence that they develop. It's really a, a great program. It's, it's great. I mean, I,
0: I got involved with the work that I do, um, advocating for our natural resources in Everglades and Everglades and a number of other things um, related to resilience and, and climate, um, because I went to Everglades National Park on a field trip in the eighth grade.
1: <laughs> I love those stories.
0: <laughs> and, um, you know, we, I was one of those kids from an underserved community. I had no idea that our water, our drinking water came from this beautiful park that we have um, wow. and how, how the, the water is so connected to our lives down here in Florida. So, you know, it's just, it's, you know, those kinds of stories That's that, right. you know, and, and the parks, you know, impact everyone. I mean, the fact that we have that Americans own this property you know, it's, I was thinking about this shutdown again and bringing it back to that. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trash my house. <laughs> okay. I would not fix things up in, on my, in my house, you know? Why wouldn't you maintain your own property? And this is what Americans need to start understanding that, you know, when we go through episodes like this um, and for whatever reason, you know, the government's shut down, we're not gonna get into the politics of it, but, you know, we're impacting our property you know Absolutely. our legacy
1: uh, and our we're future le- it's our children's and grandchildren's yeah. future
0: yeah and I'm, i want, so i want right. i want my gran- i want to take my grandkids to the everglades one day and say look and that that they're still there yes. you know yes. and so but um but thank you so much yeah. and i want to ask you one last thing how do we get involved with Good these? centennial celebration and and become a member of MPCA and you know
1: what do we do? Well please I would encourage everybody to go to NPCA.org, our website and there's a new site now that's part of MPCA at 100 so you can go in and you can look at the full calendar and kind of look at all the great activities and what's planned for the year and I just really encourage you to join us become a member but also join us out in the field in a park Uh, really it's a great organization that has been continually being the voice for the national parks and f- working so hard to protect them, and right? I, and I thank you, and you just a super volunteer. And I thank all of our volunteers that have just been so terrific in continuing to protect these treasures. Well, it's great. It's great work.
0: I love it. I mean, you know, when you work for free, you know, you gotta <laughs> love it, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, That's and right. so, you know, obviously, I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll continue my work, and, and I really. Encourage folks to, you know, look up your local chapter, your local office at yes. NPCA where, wherever you are. So thank you well, so much for being on, well, and thank you. Uh, well, we'll continue the hard work, and hopefully we'll get out of this shutdown sometime soon. Yes, let's hope <laughs> so, very soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Resilient Forward. You can listen to other podcasts at resilientforward.com and follow us on Twitter at resilientfwd. If you're interested in sponsoring our show or know someone who we should feature, please contact us. Remember, our environment is our economy.